being able to crowdsource these great stories. I think on a personal level, a highlight for me that I'll take home was being able to connect people and give them like a once in a lifetime moment. So for example, during the graduation episode leading up to it, we did a call out asking people for questions that they'd have for their graduation speaker. And we got this really great question from this graduating uh, grade 12 student. And he um, was studying film and he had this like really like poignant, like articulated question about the future and how to stay hopeful and, and all that. And uh, we were able to like accelerate the question, share it with John's team. John's team got really excited and then fast forward a few steps, but the show actually had him on a Zoom call with Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg got to directly answer his question. So, and I remember after the episode aired, he did this like beautiful tweet about how like, he didn't feel like anyone believed in him and he like, you know, stuck through school and he's like, wasn't, was doubting whether like he should pursue film or not. And he just got like this new revived passion for it and excitement, of course. And he just felt like he was seen. Um, someone saw him during this like global pandemic. Welcome to Wave Social Podcast, powered by Arcade Studios. My name's Mike. I'm here with my co-host, Mitzi, and we've curated a show for digital marketers, advertisers, and modern entrepreneurs who want to stop chasing the tide and start making waves online. Each episode, we'll sit down with the tastemakers and strategic minds behind some of the most engaged communities and up-and-coming brands. We'll pull back the curtain on their strategies and experiences to uncover the methodology behind their seismic impact. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Okay, welcome back. It's another week at the Wave Social Podcast. This is a special week. We got to be guests on a different show. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to remind you about merch. We've got a variety of different merch options for you on our website. And if you've missed the last few episodes, we did it as just a bit of a change up from running ads on our show. This time, our episodes won't be interrupted. Instead, you can just show your support through grabbing a sweater or a candle or some slippers or something good like that from the website. What's this episode all about, Mitzi? Yeah, it's pretty special because like Mike mentioned, we were on another podcast called Don't Call Me a Guru with Linda Huang. It's a podcast about social media strategy from social media strategists. And we got to talk all about our experience working with John Krasinski on some good news. Yeah, we didn't really get the chance yet to un- fully unpack what it was like to work on this project. So it was nice to do it with Linda. She was such a great host. It was a nice variety of topics that we covered. What do you think? Yeah, it was cool. It was a lot of people might not even know who are listening that we got to work on this project. So we kind of unpacked how that even happened, how a small little agency like us got to work on such a big show, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, such a big opportunity. Yes, exactly. So we talked about how we got that opportunity. We talked about how the show actually ran. A lot of people might not know that Everything that you saw on the show, it actually was filtered through social media. So our team was like the front lines of what that looked like. We kind of like created a little newsroom, which is fun. Yeah, I think that's what people like didn't really understand about it. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a matter of like scrolling the internet, finding some stories and reposting it all the time. But it was this like crazy triage of thousands of requests or submissions every Mm -hmm. day that we got to actually help curate and filter that ended up in the show. Yeah. And I think I almost cry in this episode. I think I got emotional, like almost, because I was just recounting like how much it meant to me. And especially during like such a crazy time, it was at the height of COVID. So it was really special to be a part of that and making such like important memories for people. Yeah. There were some really powerful moments, whether Mm -hmm. it was, you know, at the height of the pandemic, like right when it got serious last March, which is really almost exactly a year ago Mm -hmm. to, you know, grad and prom and those moments that a lot of these young people would have otherwise missed. Um, So yeah, we, we recount some great stories of celebrities just coming in and yeah. And you got to be on a call with Joe Jonas, Billie Eilish, and John Krasinski from yeah, your car. <laughs> that was wild. Joe Jonas was a little bit tipsy. 
Wow. I, I feel like he was like sipping mint juleps or something, like, <laughs> something funny like that. <gasps> yeah. But they were all really nice mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But we get into all that in this episode. So apart from the celebrity mentions, it was also a really cool opportunity to test our team. We all had to be super responsive. So we kind of talk about that and what it's like to work with a dream client. Yeah. And then also like touching on a different side of influencer marketing as well. Like from the beginning with SGN, we knew that social media would likely live longer than the episodes themselves. So we wanted to find ways to make it sustainable, even if there wasn't a consistent flow of content. So we kind of took a bit of a micro influencer approach and set up what we called the Some Good News Global Correspondence. And uh, we just worked really closely with them. They were random people from around the world that were just excited to be a part of this and had a great personality and we fed them stories and they sent us back great content. Yeah. And they're still like really close to us now. Like we still email them. They still send us like news all the time. And I actually got a handwritten letter from one of them all the way from Europe. And that was really sweet and special. Yeah. And some of them have had a direct line to John, you Mm -hmm. know, like even wrap the news a noop. John Q has queued him up for so many different clips and it's almost like there's a relationship that got to be formed just because of this. Yeah. And one thing, um, we recorded this episode before we released the bonus Christmas episode with The Rock. So if you are a fan and you watch the show, um, in December we launched or we kicked off bonus episode, which was really fun. And Anoop came in clutch. It was really oh, yeah. good. I was like texting him all the time to be like, okay, is this ready yet? Is it ready? But they were awesome. Yeah, that was a bop for sure. One of the other things that I think I want to just wet our listeners whistle with was uh, this conversation around, you know, like not everyone gets to work with their dream client, especially not right away. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't right away for us. You know, we've Mm -hmm. been we've been going at this for years now. But if your clients aren't that sexy, you know, Mm -hmm. like how do you keep the spark alive? How do you keep it interesting? How do you stay engaged? And I think there's a it was nice to be able to really unpack that and share some perspective and some practical tips for uh, how to make the most of what you got right now. Yeah. And the reality is like not all of your clients will be super exciting and sexy. But what was really cool is the way we got some good news was actually through a passion project. It wasn't our client work that got us this gig. It was our podcast. And that was like a really cool realization that we had because even if if you're listening right now and you're not that excited about the clients that you have or they're not in like a really sexy space that you're like super excited to create content around, I'd encourage you to think about what you can create for yourself and how Mm -hmm. you can flex your own muscles in order to like test out your capabilities and what you're capable of in terms of creating content or for the clients that you want to get. And it actually reminded me of Taman, who we've had on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. And he was also saying that, they were kind of experiencing the same thing for his agency. And so they created a magazine just, you know, with money from their own pocket. They just wanted to flex those muscles, create something with their team. And that's what got them their biggest client, which is Google. Yeah. And that's the kind of work that gets watered down the least, you know, because mm-hmm. there's less of an approval process. It's totally. just you and your team creating something special for the love of it. And then typically those are the projects that get you that dream client or closer to it at least because that's the truest expression of what you can produce as a creative. Totally. Yeah. Well, we don't have to keep going on about the podcast. I think uh, it's worth the listen so we can transition in that direction. Mitzi, you want to take us there? Also, um, feel free to check out Don't Call Me a Guru. It's another excellent social media podcast uh, with an amazing host. She's doing such great work. Lots of episodes to explore there. So go check them out. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome, Mitzi and Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yay. (laughs) Uh, So I'm wondering, uh, let's get right into it. Can you tell listeners about Arcade and describe how you were first involved with some good news? Because something that, you know, when I talk about it with people, it's like a delightful surprise to learn that an Alberta company did all this social media work for, for this global brand. Yeah, it was a delightful surprise for us too. I guess I'll start with just a little bit about Arcade first. We call ourselves a digital agency. We used to be two separate agencies. One was focused more on uh, visual identity and design and more of those types of service lines. And then 
the other company was a social media agency. And over time, our two businesses just started working more and more together because there's a natural handoff between branding and identity and like web design to then how do these brands go and reach audiences online and build community and start to generate revenue. So we worked together a bunch over two to three years and then just decided because our teams got along so well and our clients were so happy that it made sense for us to quit duplicating effort and and overhead costs and just be the same team. So we uh, merged and came back to market as Arcade, the digital agency, and just continued to kind of revisit our services and who we are and what types of brands or, or industries we wanted to play in. And I think when we came in as Arcade, our focus was primarily on direct-to-consumer products and more like e-commerce brands. We really wanted to do stuff online. So that was where we built most of our experience, especially in beauty and fashion and kind of the lifestyle space. So we got really good. I think it was refreshing for us at especially the ones of us that came from more of the design background to be able to now be in a space where we can draw a direct line to the revenue that we're generating our clients instead of just saying, hey, like trust us, it matters to have good design. So that was a nice change. And we did well for our e-commerce clients. And we continue to do so. But kind of along the way, we decided to start a podcast, actually. And believe it or not, as that little thought leadership piece slash side project developed, that ended up being the thing that brought us the opportunity to get involved with some good news. And how that happened was we had a guy named Mike Germano on our podcast in season one. I think, Mitzi, was he the finale? Yeah, I think he was a finale. Yeah, so we're part of an agency network called Communo. It's more of like a tech online platform where you where agencies and freelancers in the creative space can share work with each other. So it allows us to be a, more of a niche focus and really d- just double down on what we're good at, and then we can bring in previously vetted partners from this network to support other other service lines. So whether it's like web development or app development or like a filmographer, you know, people like that, we don't have to be all things to all people. We can bring in experts to join our team that way. So Mike Germano was part of the leadership team at Camino. He was previously head of digital at Vice. And before that, he, he claims at least that he started the original social media agency in, in New York called <laughs> Carrot Creative. So we absolutely have to have this guy on our show had him on. It was one of the most popular episodes from that season. And we just really hit it off with him, really got along, helped each other out in a number of ways, but just so happened that he was friends with John Krasinski. And so COVID hit like right at the top of March and everyone started to freak out and he and John were just chatting and they thought, what would it be like if we just created a simple at-home TV show online where we could just share good news in the middle of all this craziness. So they just did it overnight. Mike produced it. John was obviously the star of the show. And then it went viral within like 24 hours. And then suddenly they're like, we need a team. So naturally, Mike used his Camino connections. And we got to be one of the people that were shoulder tapped just with our expertise in social media. And it was just one weekend, he emailed me and said that he was sending us the passwords and we just needed to take it and run with it. And they didn't really have much time to explain. (laughs) And the rest is history. (laughs) So it was awesome. That's so cool. So really it was, you know, you have this podcast for listeners. It's called The Waves Social Podcast. If you'd like to listen to the previous episodes after you're done listening to this episode. (laughs) But it was really just you asked him to be a guest on your show. And then it kind of turned into this great business connection. And then the next thing you know, you're getting the social media passwords. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it was was such a crazy moment. Mitzi, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but just knowing... Like the, we were already huge fans of John Krasinski and The Office. So it just felt perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm so glad we didn't know he was friends with John Krasinski because I would have been so nervous. (laughs) (laughs) But he, he's an awesome, like a great mentor, a great like advisor for us. And we're just so glad, like we went into it without any expectations, but just tried to build a great relationship and we're so surprised and excited that it turned into one of these great projects that we got to play a part in. So, so it's can, really fun. Mitzi, can you talk about, okay, so you got the passwords, 
And then what? I mean, I think ideally in this industry, you you would like to have more time to plan and prep and that sort of thing. But were you just kind of thrown into it? Uh, can you share what you did for some good news and then kind of peel back the curtain for, for what your approach was, your strategy, uh, what you were sort of measuring as success? When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Totally. Yeah. So typically when we have a new social media client, we like to spend two to three weeks on a strategy process. But I mean, we got the passwords. I think it was like a Friday night at like 10 p.m. And I think I'm trying to recall, but I feel like we just logged in. We saw like thousands and thousands of thousands of notifications on all platforms and we saw that they had like started this hashtag called the hashtag some good news. And so this small team, you know, which was John and his two person team and Mike Germano, and they pulled in a production team to support, but they were really leaning on social media to do the sourcing of these good news stories that they would feature. So episode one was already live, which had a, an interview, a Zoom interview with John and Steve Carell, which was really fun. Of course, I, like I watched it as soon as it came out because I was so excited. And then we got the logins on Friday. Saturday, we got like a little sneak peek of the next episode, which just happened to be the episode where they had the cast of Hamilton sing to this girl via Zoom. And so it was a really surreal moment for us because we got it. We literally texted all of our team. We got him on a Zoom call at like, I don't know, Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. before the show was going to go live the next day. But we got to like give them a preview of this episode that we knew would go viral like the next day that literally everyone on the internet was going to be talking about. And they were like, okay, what's the plan? Like, what do we do? I mean, I think we all moved really fast. We first thing we did is like, just assembled a bit of a newsroom among our team. So we had one person kind of manning Twitter, one person manning DMs, one person manning like what we're going to post on the feed. And then uh, our design team started working on like some really fun like graphics and like trying to like give this this internet like movement a brand in the feel. So we all just kind of started working and we started collaborating and sharing ideas. And it was truly like a 24-7 gig because we all like in the middle of the night, something would happen or we'd see this great story or we'd see this awesome moment that happened that people shared or tagged us in. And we all would just share it on Slack or share it or text it or, or whatever. So thankfully, like we started to get a bit more direction and some structure for, and I guess more insight into what the next episodes were. So that allowed us to do structured like call out. So for example, we knew that like one of the episodes was going to be a graduation. So we did a call out for commencement speeches or valedictorian speeches and then what questions you want to ask your grad speaker so we're able to like start doing those call outs and then literally all day long looking and combing through any suggestions that we had so it was definitely not as organized as our usual processes but because we just like all had to move so fast but it was really fun to be able to use social media and use the hashtag and those mentions as part of what we used to create the show which was great And was it, you know, goal wise, is it, I feel like when we're in this industry, I I think I say this every episode of this podcast is like, oh, you know, clients always say they want to go viral and everyone sort of rolls their eyes (laughs) or, you know, in your mind, like, okay, well, this isn't going to go viral. But in this case, it from the start was that. Um, So was the goal to just keep kind of that momentum going? You wanted, you just wanted people to be talking about it. You wanted you know, the hashtag to be shared sort of through the roof, what were sort of, you know, successes that you were looking for? There were multiple goals for sure. The biggest one from John's perspective was we just want to make people happy when the default position is like sadness or like fear, you know? So that was the biggest thing. But then quickly, because it went 
viral from the start. Uh, I think he also saw an opportunity to make a big like charitable impact as well. So from the from the top, he decided that any revenue that came from views on YouTube or partnerships or even these days now selling merch, that would all go to charity. In that sense, there was still goals, not just like, did it go viral or not, but to see views on YouTube and Facebook increasing week over week, knowing that that would make a more tangible impact from a dollar perspective for the charitable effort side. And then, of course, knowing that social media was kind of the the channel that everything filtered through as far as like good news submissions and like helping like build awareness and just um, spread positivity. Uh, we were pretty focused as well on engagement and follower growth. So I think our internal goal, like we all really wanted to hit a million followers on Instagram. And then like partway through, we added TikTok and we really wanted to see that take off because it was clearly a different audience than who we were reaching on Instagram and Facebook and even Twitter so the goals evolved over time, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest two things were how can we make people feel better? And then how can we make a tangible difference with the dollars that were being earned through this good news movement for charities that needed it or people that needed it? That's awesome. Um, I just also want to point out how casually like first name basis you guys are, you know, John wanted this. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's from a lot of time around his agents. And then <laughs> I think anytime you meet somebody, you want to think you're homies with them. So after a couple Zoom calls with John Krasinski, you want you just want to feel like he's your buddy. Oh, we're just buddies now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Mitzi, you'd sort of mentioned kind of the split of work. Can you guys share how big Arcade is in terms of staff? And then was it all hands on deck? Was everyone uh, on Arcade working on this? <laughs> We've grown quite a bit actually through this year. At the time, I think we had, was it like six people working on this, Mike? Yeah, including us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah including us. So it, was, it wasn't huge. We had six people. And yes, it was all hands on deck. I have to give so much kudos to our team because they would literally like be driving, get a text message or get a Slack message and like pull their car over to whip something up or send out a tweet or whatever they had to do. So I think from the get-go, we got great buy-in from everyone and everyone, you know, we were all working weekends. We were all working late because we, we not only were excited about this, but we were, we're, we needed like this, the distraction. It was like right in the middle of COVID. So it was a really great project for us, for all of us to focus on. So in terms of layout of responsibilities, we had, Mike and myself, which were kind of like the direct line to John's team, the production team in terms of what needed to be the focus for the week, or if we needed to jump on like a strategy discussion about like what's going to be the episode, what won't be the episode, that kind of stuff. So we were very much like uh, the reactive kind of like mouthpiece on behalf of our team. And then I was also in the trenches on the social side too, just kind of like figuring out what we're going to post on the actual feeds and what needs to be posted or not posted because we're going to save it for the show, that kind of stuff. And then we had community managers on every single platform. So we had one for Twitter, one for Instagram, and one for Facebook at the time. And then we also had somebody supporting us on the TikTok side, which was a new platform that we introduced kind of midway through the show. And then everyone would be, of course, like combing through all the mentions, combing through the hashtag, um, responding to comments and stuff like that. Because we all kind of had a focus for the week, there was like a theme attached to every episode. We had this like running spreadsheet where we would throw in any submissions that we felt like could be good fit for the show into this doc or this Excel like Google doc. And then multiple times a day, I would kind of go through and be like, okay, yeah, this is good. Or this is very, very good. Or this is very, very, very good. And then we need to escalate it to the team. So because the John's team would, was also preparing stunts every week, which kind of connected to what we saw on social media, it was really important that anytime we saw this like great moment, like or a great anecdote or a great story, that we would expedite it straight to John's team because they would use that and discuss that and see like, okay, how can we make a difference in this person's life? So for example, someone tagged us and I think it was like a proposal that happened at a gas station. And of course, that's so, you know, similar to the proposal of Jim and Pam on the show of the office. And they kind of like did a little montage of it. 
so, so good. Such a great moment. And so we shared that with John's team. John got really excited about it. And that's what kind of like started discussions about getting the whole cast together for a little office wedding or oh, office reunion. So on the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the rest is history on that front. But like if we had to really be like super reactive, see something. And we all kind of learned, okay, what is show worthy? What isn't? We also like, thankfully, our whole team is just like, they were able to attach that lens to what they were looking at. And it kind of just like flowed naturally. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, I think it's important to shout out to like, there's so many people in the Some Good News team beyond just our, our crew. Like we, we had the luxury of really just dialing in on social media because um, we had such great partners on all the other pieces. So Senior Productions, they were a company that handled all the show planning with John's agent, show planning, and then also editing and putting it all together. Senior Post was what they're called. And then uh, Maiden Network are, are the people that handled all the YouTube. And like for us, we're a social agency, but like YouTube is definitely not our strong suit. We, we consider that more of like a long form content platform. So just having people like them who are experts on online shows was was just so amazing for us to not have to stress over learning something completely new, but really just dialing in on what we were good at. And then, you know, there was like, we had this guy named Andrew Weiss out of New York, who was a social strategist that we pulled in to be a part of our team through that time. And then this guy named Lars, Lars Bengston, he was over partnerships. And that partnerships really took SGN from my perspective to a different level because it went from just being a show that people could watch online to being something that was moving with huge corporations like the AT&Ts of the world or Starbucks or you know like even doing things in major league baseball that just would have felt out of reach otherwise so we we feel like we're super lucky outside of just being able to work on this project but these are relationships with incredible like experts and game changers around Canada and the US that now we we can do other fun projects with and pull in for support or even just learn from as we go. So an amazing experience all the way around for sure. Yeah. And I think what you're touching on as well as a good point for community managers or strategists who might be listening is that, you know, you don't have to be the expert on all the things and you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel like you have to manage all the things either. So if you can bring in support or have someone more focused, or even to, to the point where you said, you know, someone was in charge of Twitter, someone was in charge of Instagram, someone was in charge of just DMs, that can go a long way too to have that focus and expertise. And that also came to life when we launched the TikTok account, because we pulled in another great um, contact and friend that we have, Kaylee Reed, who supported us with the TikTok side. Just because everything was moving so fast, we knew that she was an expert in that space. She was able to jump in, guns blazing, and kind of helped us get the TikTok account up and running and also provide some support and leadership for John's TikTok account, which was also launching at the same time. So that was really good. It just kind of goes back to your point about how like you don't have to do everything well to bring in the right people is really what makes your project overall like look the best. You know, I feel like people who work in social media, part of it is that you do have to deal with negativity or pe- people who are angry or <laughs> was that the case in this project or was it uh, was it all pretty good? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, for the most yeah. part, it was positive. You know, I think people just appreciated what this celebrity was doing, even though he obviously had a million other things that he could be doing, you know, and he was just doing it to help people and to kind of change the the feel or or the atmosphere you know during a difficult time for everyone so for the most part it was positive i think you always have your trolls especially on twitter that just is where people go to nitpick and have a opinion 
or a hot take, but I think mo- for the most part, it was just like, oh, there's other people doing good news, like social accounts or YouTube shows. Why do you think this is your original idea? Which he never thought it was his original idea and expressed that if you actually watched the show. So really like we didn't lose sleep over that kind of stuff. It was just, it kind of came with the territory and there's so much positive floating around and so many great submissions coming through. Like we just had a blast kind of curating that and working with John's team to craft a theme or a narrative for each week and keep the positivity flowing. I know you guys have or there has been some articles about how you've supported uh, some good news. And uh, I did see one that had mentioned part of your social media approach used a crowdsource structure to identify micro influencer esque talent. Uh, I'm wondering if you can just (laughs) explain that a bit and and share how crowdsourcing slash micro influencers helped this project or, or could help, you know, for, for listeners who might, who might want to try that strategy. Yeah, I can speak to that. So basically what we're talking about is what we call SGN Global Correspondence. So one of the coolest things about SGN as it started to ramp up and get more attention is that people would often make their own some good news videos or accounts or whatever reports. And we were getting them from all over the world. It was just people, you know, in their own communities reporting on the good news that was happening in their own little neck of the woods. So we absolutely loved to see that, and you know, as a as a brand manager on social, like that's just a huge home run. So we wanted to connect with them, partner with them, empower them to continue to share the good news in their own world. So if you watch episode eight, it's really all about people who are sharing their good news stories from wherever they are. So we identified some really great SGN global correspondents, which is what we coined them, but they're essentially people who are doing SGN reports on their own. We identified them and we we actually asked them to create some reports on SGN's behalf that we would share on social. And then a lot of them did get featured in the last episode, which was really awesome. So we continue to work with them. We continue to pitch them good news stories. They continue to pitch us good news stories. And we're still looking for ways to kind of continue to empower them to share that. So that to us, like from a marketing agency perspective, that's essentially what we do with influencers in general, which I think is such a great play for social media is when you have other people kind of sharing your message. So for us, the message is that, you know, good news is happening all around you, no matter how hard things get. And the SGN Global Correspondents were just the best people to continue to share that message. So we love the SGN Correspondents. They're amazing. They're all volunteers, which is like incredible. And they're just such great champions in their own communities. So that was really, really fun for us to work with them. And it still is fun. Can you talk about what Arcade is doing now for SGN? Uh, There's not new shows happening, but the social media is still quite active. And then could you also share, you know, advice or recommendations for how an organization might keep their audience interested in between a campaign or in between an episode or in between a milestone, that sort of thing? I think it it really similar thought process, I guess, to why we really wanted to nurture our relationships with the global correspondence was how do we make this last and remain meaningful without relying completely on one star or one format, you know? So knowing that it was inevitable that the show would have to pause or end at some t- some point, we wanted to kind of just structure it from the get-go in a way that could last without it. So the Global Correspondence was a huge piece of that because obviously they're still available and engaged and willing to produce new content. But also knowing that if we just kind of trained, for lack of better words, the audience that was really engaged in this content to expect it on social as well and also reward them for engaging with it or for submitting things, then we could expect that they would remain engaged even after, even in between seasons or when the first season came to an end. So that's kind of how we're approaching it now is really like, let's keep the good news coming. Let's encourage people to share it. Let's even guide them. You know, like a big part of during the, when the episodes were happening was we would give guidance each week on the social channels of like what types of or categories of content we were looking for. And then people would respond to that. So uh, we continue to do call outs around themes or ideas that we have but then also just really reward engagement for people that continue to submit things 
and then experiment, you know, like we, TikTok was a big experiment after we had already kind of established this show and brand on other channels. But it was really interesting to see how it took off after the show ended. Like, uh, I think it was in June or whatever month was right after the last episode. In that month alone, we got 500,000 new followers on TikTok. So we had our most exponential growth after the show was done. And we continue to see an uptick in on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well. So mm-hmm. it's fun. We're, we're keeping it going. We're posting daily on, on feed and in stories and engaging with people in the comments and in the DMs. And uh, we're also, re- we've been really doubling down on SGN merch, which was uh, something that happened towards the end of the season uh, in partnership with Starbucks, where they were matching any revenue or profits from the merch, which was all crowdsourced. Uh, and that would go to charity. And Mitzi, it, I think this is true, but can you confirm that we just hit a million dollars officially? Yes. With, uh, yeah. We actually just hit a million dollar goal. We raised over a million dollars for charity through the SGN merch store. And that is so amazing because we these are all micro donations. They're smaller donations. Uh, but it's just a testament of SGN kind of continuing to that movement of sharing good news, sharing positivity, and making impact for charities that deserve it. So we're super excited to see that. And I think, Linda, for your listeners too, you know, obviously, maybe not everyone who's listening has access to this like world star talent and brand. But I think in terms of, of keeping momentum or interest in between episodes or whatever, I think we really need to think about, you know, the followers behind these accounts and what are they looking for. So if you're you're providing value to them that doesn't connect to your brand or your product, I think that's still worth engaging with. So I think oftentimes as social media marketers, we're just trying to add the marketing to every single post. But I think it's so important to do stuff that's just providing value and isn't part of the marketing plan. So that's what really gets people excited and keeps people engaged. And I think even though the show hasn't been in production for a while, we still have are seeing growth on all channels. We're seeing higher engagements on all channels. And that's because, you know, there's still value there. People are still getting what they originally followed us for, which is just good news stories in their feed. I love it. Congratulations on the 1 million. That's amazing. You know, you've sort of talked about some of the successes, but if you could kind of summarize, you know, what went really well, what was really hard, and then sort of lessons learned in in managing social media for SGN. What went really well, I mean, we've already kind of touched on it, is just being able to crowdsource these great stories. I think on a personal level, a highlight for me that I'll take home was being able to connect people and give them like a once in a lifetime moment. So for example, during the graduation episode leading up to it, we did a call out asking people for questions that they'd have for their graduation speaker. And we got this really great question from this graduating uh, grade 12 student. And he um, was studying film and he had this like really like poignant, like articulated question about the future and how to stay hopeful and, and all that. And uh, we were able to like accelerate the question, share it with John's team. John's team got really excited and then fast forward a few steps, but the show actually had him on a Zoom call with Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg got to directly answer his question. So, and I remember after the episode aired, he did this like beautiful tweet about how like he didn't feel like anyone believed in him and he like, you know, stuck through school and he's like, wasn't, was doubting whether like he should pursue film or not. And he just got like this new revived passion for it and excitement, of course. And he just felt like he was seen. Um, someone saw him during this like global pandemic. And, and so it, it, that was like really special. Those are the moments that we feel like no matter how this all pans out, we got to make really special moments happen for even just like a small handful of people. But that's outside of those big, huge viral moments that everyone talked about. So I think that one-on-one connection and moment was really special for for us, or at least me on a personal level. Yeah. And in terms of challenges, I think the challenge of after the show ended or after the show has kind of been on pause is just kind of directing any messages around that. And I think 
the microscope of public opinion is really can be really challenging. And people do, I find, especially right now, it's just such a sensitive time, rightfully so. It's just tricky to navigate that sometimes. And you can't keep everyone happy. And we don't, we're not here to keep everyone happy, but we've had to navigate that delicately. And so that's, I think, been maybe some of the challenges that come with having such a big amount of attention from the media and just the general public. There's so many things that I I think about when it comes to successes. I mean, every week had successes of its own. And I even was kind of getting emotional when Mitzi was recapping that story of that that young guy with the with the question that Steve, Steven Spielberg responded to. But I think even speaking to challenges too, a big challenge was just how quickly things changed, you know, and when you're working at that scale, there's always opportunities for bigger and crazier things. And they're there in a moment and they can also be gone in a moment. And you just have to really learn to pivot and adapt. And I think that's something that we've really taken into our relationships with other clients too. And I think just a practical encouragement that I would give to other social experts or agency leaders uh, or even people on the brand side, you know, that are listening. I think that especially in a year like 2020, but I think this is going to be our, our reality moving forward. Things are just going to be constantly changing. And I think crisis and not to be like doomsday about it at all, but I think crisis is the new reality. Like there's just going to be more and more of this and more and more polarizing topics. So as social media experts and even just marketers in general, we have to learn how to be crisis comms for brands and to be trusted advisors and to be prepared that things are going to change overnight. And we're not always going to know the perfect answer, but uh, we have to kind of look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves a question like, can I choose to show up every single day and just do the, the absolute best job that I can? And I feel so proud of our team and the rest of the crew that worked on some good news for the, the way that they showed up every day, whether it was something new and exciting or something extremely difficult, but the impact is clear. And I think there's just going to be more and more opportunity for us as marketers to show up that way and to make a difference. And Mitzi and I always chat about, and this came from her first, but we always chat about how like for us, it isn't just about providing a service to the, the clients that we work with or generating revenue, but in the long run, we want our agency to be involved in things or projects or movements that change culture. And I think it's important for us to have that big perspective if we're going to actually make a difference and be able to like look back on all the stuff that we did in the, at the end of the day and feel proud. Because I think for me, like when I'm old and just sit on a beach somewhere, like I'm not just <laughs> going to be happy that I made somebody some money. You know, I want to know, I want to be able to list the things or the people whose lives were changed or or positively impacted because of the work we did. And I think often marketers are looked at as just like money machines as opposed to difference makers. So that's something that really came out of it for us and an ongoing conversation for Mitzi and I and our team. And then just something that we uh, we constantly want to be encouraging our listeners or just our audience or our clients as we keep moving forward. No, I agree. It's uh, you won't you won't really remember how much money you made people when you're uh, re- retiring on that beach. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, it doesn't matter unless it's in your account anyway. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think for a lot of people working in social media, you know, a brand like SGN, global reach, global impact. It's inherently fun and positive. It's it. I I think you could say that that's that's a dream client or a dream job. And, you know, that might not be the case for for all listeners and the accounts they may be managing might not be as fun. But what advice or, or what things could you share or tips you could share when it comes to still perhaps approaching the accounts you're managing with with that same sort of fun or or creativity or positivity into their work. Obviously you have other clients who I assume are not as fun as SGM. <laughs> what? All oh of our clients God. are as fun. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, how what would you advise or how do you make sure you're still, you know, approaching everything with kind of a fresher creative eye? Yeah, I mean, I can go first. I'm sure, Mike, you have more to add too. But I think what I've been challenged to do, just kind of remembering SGN and how fast it moved and it was something I'm trying to continue to challenge myself to do is do what's hard. You know, like being creative and pushing the boundaries 
as a marketer and especially those who are on the front lines, the, the brands that they manage on social media, uh, you have like the first line of defense in terms of access to what people are talking about. So I think sometimes we can get into this rhythm of like having a monthly calendar. It's really easy. And like you just plot in this and plot in this and promo here and sale there. But I think creativity and doing stuff that's outside the box takes way more work and it's actually really hard and difficult to do. So I think every time when I feel like, okay, this is like really easy or like this is getting approved too easy, that to me feels like it might be a sign that I'm not pushing the boundaries enough. So I've communicated to our team that like it is your job and like you should get used to getting shot down because we we need to be pushing. We need to be the ones who are like the most creative of their team, they're hiring us to think of creative solutions and to be on the front lines of like, what's this new trend? So trends like are never something that everyone's already doing. It has to be outside the box. So I think that's a challenge that I've had to myself is to continue to try to do things that are hard and do and not to just take the easy route. You got to immediately as fast as you can get out of a place of just completing the requirements and get to a place of like providing leadership. And I think the best way I've ever heard it is you got to view yourself as a practitioner and your client is coming to you as a patient and they may have an idea of what they want you to do or what, what medicine they want you to prescribe to them. But no doctor just allows a patient to come in and say, hey, this is what I want. And then they say, okay, sure, here you go. They actually go through the process of diagnosing what the problem is and then prescribing a solution. And I think to that end as well, you don't want to just like pick the solution or the prescription that is is the path of least resistance, but you want to think of the strategies that are going to make the biggest difference. And so we always love it just to like kind of change the perspective from us to like our contractors or like influencers we work with as opposed to just clients. But we always love it when we are working with a subcontractor or sourcing an influencer and we give them a brief And instead of just completing the work or telling us how much it's going to cost, you know, like the ones that we really want to work with over and over again are the ones that come back to us with more ideas, you know, like, yeah, I can absolutely complete what you've asked me to do. But what about this? Just knowing the goal, you know, like what if we took this other approach or added this extra layer or changed the campaign ever so slightly to just make it more impactful? I think those are the people that we will always come back to because we know that they're taking a proactive approach that, and they're being innovative and they're using their creative energy to help us contribute a better solution. And I think whether your client is boring or exciting or it's a business to consumer product or a business to business you know, technology solution, whatever it is, I think there's always opportunity to innovate and be creative and make it interesting. And if you can make it more interesting, even for the client, the people that have started this business in the first place, who may even already be passionate about it, if you can make that more exciting yet for them, then you're going to be that's going to be a long term relationship and one that only gets more exciting for you. So, we had an absolute blast with some good news. We have some clients that are naturally more boring than that, but I think like <laughs> when we're when we're showing up as our best selves and being creative, like we have so much fun with them too. And uh, we, we're proud of the campaigns that we produce with them and the community that we've built. So it can all be really good. My last question is more, is there anything about your work with some good news that you that you haven't mentioned yet that you that you want to share with listeners or any other advice or, or lessons that you'd like to share? But other than that, I think getting the opportunity to kind of go deep into something like this is really exciting for me because I'm obviously a social media nerd, but probably exciting for listeners too. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I think I would just want to encourage everyone out there. Like I know social media, being a social media manager is not easy right now. So I think lean on other people around you. I think now is the best time to like collect some support or connect with other social media managers in your either your city or your network or online. I think, you know, the way that we've been able to build connections like digitally is also an amazing tool. So use this opportunity. This is like the one time where, you know, a small agency like ours in Calgary, Alberta got the chance to work on a global brand because we didn't need to be in person or have an office in New York or something like that. So I feel like this is a great opportunity for any social media managers who are looking to catch like a bigger fish or go for a bigger brand. Like 
really make those connections online and be proactive about that now, I think is, is a great time to do it. Another thing that we like to say is, is it's an evolution, not a revolution that really like helps us get to where we want to go. And I think sometimes it can be discouraging to hear people talking about this like lofty project or client or opportunity. And it, it just seems so far off in the distance or making your boring clients more interesting, you know, but I think if you approach it with the perspective of this is an evolution, not a revolution, you'll have more success in, in get like moving your reality to where you want it to be, whether it's in your relationships or the work that you're producing. So I would just like kind of for us, you know, the, the map or the spot on the horizon is producing art that moves culture, like I said before, and that's something that's really abstract. So we have to kind of figure out how do we work back from there and have the things that we're doing today just move us that much closer to that type of work in the future. And that really has to be an evolution. We can't, we can't just produce that today. So I just encourage people to think about that, you know, like where are you trying to go? What do, what do you want your reality to be as far as the work you're producing and the people that you're working with and the audiences that you're reaching? And then as like, lame as it could sound to some people, like make a work back schedule of all things and just kind of map it one achievable step at a time. And I think you're just going to feel a lot better about where you are because you know that you're constantly moving a little bit forward and it just makes it feel that much more achievable. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for taking the time to talk to me today. I learned a lot. I'm sure listeners learned a lot. If people who are listening want to know more or learn more or dive more into social media, uh, Mike and Mitzi um, and the team at RK do host uh, Waves Social Podcast. If you're on the brand side and you've been inspired <laughs> by what has been discussed today, um, yeah, reach out to, to Mike and Mitzi and see if Arcade might be able to help you. You know, you know maybe if you admit that your brand is more boring than SGN. I mean, I think <laughs> wow see what they can do for you <laughs> nice thanks so much for listening to this episode of don't call me a guru we are part of the alberta podcast network locally grown community supported that was mike and mitzi with arcade and i will see you next month this episode of wave social podcast is powered by arcade studios Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at wavesocialpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you've got questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, hit us up at wavesocial on Instagram. Thanks for joining us.